Welcome back to Divorced and Done. I'm Rob Woodward, joined by Darren Schmidt. We're divorce lawyers helping you navigate the six divorced and done steps to move through your divorce quickly and efficiently without bankrupting yourself emotionally or financially. Everything we talked about on Divorced and Done is for your information, but it is not legal advice or legal opinion of any kind. Darren Schmidt, how you doing? I am doing really well. I wanted to just take a moment at the start of this episode to send a thank you out to the 30,000 people that decided they would hit follow on my TikTok account. Uh, We, and I I say that we, me and all the other followers, we crested that plateau over the weekend, which is kind of neat because normally I just sit in my office and do case summaries of Canadian divorce cases. And for some reason over the last year and a bit, 30,000 people thought that was interesting enough to say, yeah, let's jump on board with that. And we know a lot of you listening to this have come from that TikTok stream. So thank you very much to everyone for um, being along for the ride on TikTok. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on uh, reaching that big milestone. That's fantastic. Yeah. So on that point, um, you and I are going to join Charmaine Panko who's a TikTok lawyer herself. Uh, She's from Saskatoon. We're going to do a live stream with her on Friday. Let me get the date. Friday, June 17th, 2 p.m. Pacific, uh, 3 p.m. Alberta time and Saskatchewan time. I think that puts it at 5 p.m. Eastern. So if you're looking for something to do heading into the weekend, what better way than to spend, you know, half an hour or an hour with the three of us possibly answering your questions sort of rapid fire on TikTok Live. I think she's at Common Sense Family Lawyer. I'm not certain, but um, if you follow either Rob or I on TikTok, you'll be able to um, tune into that live stream again, 2 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Alberta time, uh, Friday, June 17th. Fantastic. And if anyone has any questions, as always, you can take them to our TikToks or you can send them to us, lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com. And if you'd like to spend us, send us a voicemail, speakpipe.com slash divorced and done. Okay, so this week we're going to do some more of your questions. We have some questions by email. So we'll get to those. Let's go to question one. The listener says, Good morning. Well, I'll say good evening, because that's when we're going to record this. So good morning. Good evening. I have a question for a friend of mine going through a separation in Ontario. Uh, The couple were living common law for 13 years and have two children, nine and six, and both parties are 40 years old this year. The husband purchased a house on his own prior to meeting his now ex-common law spouse. They met and moved in together. They had one child. Then when she was pregnant with the second, they decided they needed more room. He then sold that first house and he purchased a larger house. They lived there for five years together, and then due to some infidelity on the mother's part, they split up about a year and a half ago. Prior to having children, she worked full-time in retail as a manager. She quit her job after having their first child because she said she didn't trust his ability to parent uh, the way she would like. So she stayed home until the youngest child was four. Then she started her own business cleaning houses. He was the sole financial supporter for the household from the day they moved in together until she moved out, which included all the bills, mortgage, groceries, etc., whether she was working or not. And title to the home is in his name only. When she moved out, she took almost all of the contents of the home, including furniture, beds, and all that sort of stuff, 
She left the major appliances and his personal belongings. They have not gone to court for any custody access or support. However, he's been paying $1,500 a month in unspecified support. So that would be both for child support or spousal support. And his annual income is $75,000. She would like to go to mediation and wants to know some things like what are her rights in regards to the property? Will he have to pay her half of the value of the house? And is she entitled to spousal support indefinitely? He didn't prevent her from working and he didn't get any promotions or raisins at work due to the fact she was at home. She's made it pretty clear to him she would like to take him for everything she can get and bury him financially. And he's a huge pushover, hating conflict, and he's likely just to give in. Sorry for this lengthy question and thank you for your time. Okay. So uh, a couple living in Ontario with two kids, nine and six, um, there's a house in the husband's name alone. Since separation, he's paying unspecified support of $1,500. Looks like a good question to work through all of our steps, but I won't pin you to that. Rob, what do you think? You're exactly right, Darren. Uh, As we say, we develop the divorced and done steps for everybody. No matter who you are, no matter how many children you have, no matter how old you are, no matter how wealthy you are or are not. And by moving through those steps systematically, it allows you to deal everything that you need to deal with uh, as efficiently as possible. So number one is being separate and apart. Sounds like, and I might be missing it here, she's now out of the house, took all the stuff and everything else. He's still in the house that they own. She's somewhere else with the children. We So we can say step number one is likely satisfied. They are separate and apart, and hopefully everyone is safe here. We don't hear anything about any concerns about violence or other pieces. Step two, deal with your parenting. And it's great that he's paying some support um, and other bits and pieces voluntarily, but we can't set that child support until we know what the parenting structure is. So they need to work through that. We don't know what that looks like. After they, and and because they're separated, they've been doing it for some months, they probably have some sort of parenting routine, which is great. Uh, How stable that is, we don't know. But once that's determined, uh, then it's time to set child support. And assuming he's working full time and she has the children at least more than 60% of the time uh, in her care would mean that he's paying full child support to her every month. Section three under the child support guidelines um, in Ontario. So is that $1,500 a month for two children on an income of about $75,000? That could be a little bit high for child support, but if we're blending in spousal support, maybe that's reasonable. Um, But before we get to spousal support, we have to deal with property. And that comes to the best thing they have here, I'm so glad, even these folks weren't married, that they at least have a house. Uh, He may have some exempt value from the initial home that he purchased, if he can trace that, but that's subject to matrimonial property division in Ontario and how they would have structured purchasing the next home that they purchased when they're together. Um, they're both likely going to have rights to the value of that house. If he wants to continue to live there, he'll need to buy her out to some degree. And how long they've been separated for, um, those pieces on arrears of potentially support, be it both spousal and child, 
uh, may come out based on what those calculations look like based on the parenting regime and based on her possible claim to spousal support since she hasn't been working. On the spousal support piece, even though we don't generally like to provide commentary on that specifically, I'd say since both of these people are 40, uh, she's not working. It's likely she'll have some entitlement to some spousal support, um, but it will it be forever and will it be an always allowance payable from him to her? Probably not. And hopefully for these folks, as we've been saying on so many of our files, Darren, in any sort of divorce or common law separation, uh, uh, rising, rising, rising tides lift all boats. And with a rising real estate market, if there's any debts here or anything else, hopefully, depending on where these folks are, where their house is, how much equity there is there, that could both clear a lot of debts if there are debts. And if we're doing any sort of division of anything else, hopefully that gives both sides a decent chunk of money that they can move forward and live their life. The best thing here is they are living separate and apart. Hopefully, they're both in a decent routine for the sake of their children. And the big piece, the only thing I would say here is the listener asking on behalf of her friend or whomever this is, uh, mentions this, her infidelity. Uh, I would throw that right out as divorced and done people. We want to be forward focused. And by doing that, we're not thinking about the past. We're saying, how can we move forward, be the best parents we can for our kids and just be on with our lives. I think that's perfect. That was amazing. Uh, hopefully you all were taking notes because that was a, what do they call it now? Master class? What is a master class? I've heard that uh, phrase a lot. Like, what is that? Yeah, it's where people give us like $200 a year and they can listen to us talk about a divorce or they can listen to Hillary Clinton talk about resiliency. So there you are. And other celebrities talking about get, other things. That's the master class. I get the humorous gesture, but um, like, no, but do you know what it is? And uh, no is a good answer. But like, what is like, what is this master class? <laughs> like, yeah, it, I, it different from a class. Like what makes a master class different from a class? That's what Taught I don't by know. a master. Taught by a master. <laughs> okay. Um, so to the question, though, <clears throat> um, work through the steps. So the probably the most important thing in front of the two people here, mom and dad, is going to be what does the parenting arrangement look like? And that's going to be maybe a six-month process to figure that out, to say, uh, are we happy with the sort of de facto arrangement that we've come to? Um, or do we need to go to court to get an order in place? And hopefully most of that can be done by consent. But if you need a contested hearing on that, focus your energy on what does the parenting arrangement look like now that you're in two households. As for rights to the house and rights to spousal support, those are later steps, as you've said, Rob. Uh, I just happened to pull up the federal child support calculator while you were giving your master class. And, and guessing on what child support would be, please. What is what is the number? $75,000 for two children if the paying parent lives in Ontario and the other parent um, is receiving child support. So this is if dad in this instance doesn't have 60% uh, or doesn't have at least 40% of the parenting time, excuse me. Child support is $1,139 a month. So the $1,500 certainly satisfies that piece and the balance would be treated as spousal support. One thing I would just say to shore up that is 
to get that clarified because, of course, the person paying spousal support on a periodic monthly basis can get a tax deduction on their income tax return if it's classified as spousal support, but not if it's just sort of unspecified support. So uh, $1,139 is child support. The balance should be classified as spousal support. Whether that's the correct amount of spousal support, I'm not certain. But of course, as we know, for any of our OG listeners, as you said, Rob, way, way, way back, we did full episodes on, and maybe we should come back and do this again. Uh, what is spousal support and are you entitled to it? And if so, how is it calculated? Assuming mom is entitled here, this is going to be the with child support formula for calculating spousal support, which under the child support, or sorry, under the spousal support advisory guidelines, uh, the really crappy rule of thumb here is the uh, net incomes of both households should be within 40 to 40. The, the recipient's net income should be within 40 to 46% of the global net disposable income of both households. And you can go back, listen to that episode or read the spousal support advisory guidelines to figure out more about what that means. But spousal support takes a secondary position to child support. So I doubt in this case with dad making 75,000 that his spousal support obligation will be that much more uh, than the amount he's paying for child support. And maybe that $1,500 globally would satisfy it. So kudos to him for paying the support in the meantime, because that's a good thing to do. Let's go to question two. The listener says, hello, hello. Thanks for always being so helpful. Hey, no problem. We really do try. And thank you for sending your questions to us. I have a question based off the episode with the realtor. That would be Inyaki Realtor. Uh, you can go listen to that episode that was recorded, I don't know, a couple months ago. It was a great interview. Thanks to him for coming on. And thanks for your question coming on the heels of that interview. Uh, listener says, I know how you always say it's almost always more beneficial to sell the property in a divorce, but when is it not? I am currently in the matrimonial house. I am not opposed to selling it. However, the market right now where I am is crazy. It wasn't before. So while we may get a good chunk of money for our house, I would need to buy in the same market, essentially smaller house for likely the same amount of money I paid for this one. In terms of renting, I'd be paying the same as my mortgage payment to stay in the area or somewhat near. I have a somewhat large amount of money that is exempt from property division and inheritance that I could use to pay out my spouse for what I owe him. I always have a family member who could co-sign on the mortgage as well if I wasn't approved to get the financing on my own. Am I missing anything here? Could this be a scenario where it actually makes sense? I'm not opposed to selling, but I'm anticipating a possible issue with my spouse if I had to buy outside of our current area. Thanks for your insight. Okay, Rob, a uh, financial question. This is a question that falls within... Uh, the property division step of our divorced and done steps. What do you think? This listener nailed it on the head. And you and I have talked about tangentially home ownership, uh, the joys of home ownership, renting. When do we do these things? When do we not do these things? Not in the scope of our legal practice. Uh, you're married. I'm thinking about it because you and I are both uh, men in our 30s. <laughs> That's sort of what we think about as you get move the down new, the road. Get the new balances on and yeah. pull up your shorts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this listener, she, I love the way she words it. 
the market I'm in right now is crazy, which is every housing market. It wasn't before. So while we may get a good chunk These of money for our house, I would need to buy in that same market. And it's it's an obvious statement, but I've seen financial videos on TikTok, talk to other folks going through divorce or getting divorced. And in many ways, I almost feel that folks forget the latter half of that piece. Great. You just sold your house. You made a bucket of money because we're in this super hot market. Where are you going to live now? And that is the most important thing you need to think about. Um, Darren and I aren't realtors. You hint at the end of the question, you're not opposed to selling, but you anticipate a possible issue with your spouse if you had to move outside of the current area, which for me, the only thing you don't say in the question, I assume that would mean that would go to your parenting and you'd have a problem either transporting children or children would have to move to a different school district, could impact somebody's parenting, not clear, but let's assume that's an issue. The listener here says has some inheritance, could buy out her spouse for uh, a valid value on that home if you've received an independent valuation, paid the three to four hundred bucks to have an appraiser come do a proper appraisal, get a value on that house, say here's the number and it's something you can live with and your ex can live with and you like that house, great. Maybe that's a reasonable thing to do. Um, because as you suggest, if you're renting, rent would be the same or more perhaps than your mortgage. You know whether your house is worth it or not for the work that needs to happen on that home in the next five, 10 years. What's that going to look like versus renting something where you're not responsible for anything. But without going into lots of philosophy and lots of back and forth, I think Darren Schmidt and I are sort of of the same view on this. If you can afford to buy your house and you can carry the mortgage going forward in your own financial situation, whether that's you as potentially single mom, or whether you have a new significant other that's helping you or another family member that can help you carry that expense, whatever that looks like, home ownership isn't a bad thing. Darren Schmidt? I think we think about selling the house in our practice just because we've seen so often that divorces can like they can take a lot longer when you're talking about, okay, party A really wants to buy party B out. Okay, well, now you're thinking, who's going to be the real property appraiser? Or really, how are we going to land on a figure? Then party A says, well, I got a realtor friend. They'll give us a market analysis. And then party B says, no, I got a realtor. Okay, well, maybe we can get a property appraiser, someone who's certified in property appraisals. No, I don't like them, and but I don't like them either. So what do we do with this? So you're looking at, at this point, you know, a couple of weeks, at least back and forth letters between lawyers. Then you're looking at, okay, finally we got the appraiser. Okay. It's going to be a month and a half for the appraiser to get in because if the market's crazy, that appraiser's already busy enough doing other works. Now it's going to be another month and a half for that appraiser to show up. Then they're going to come give the number and someone's not going to be happy with that number. Yes. They're a jointly retained expert. One party's going to say, no way the house is worth that. Okay. Let's get another appraisal. And now you're looking at sooner than later, you're, you're going to wind up at six months and you're going, what have we done with our six months other than bicker about things? And if that's the one thing you're bickering about, you're probably bickering about other things on your divorce. So it makes the whole divorce and done process take a whole lot longer. 
So we just normally see for the average person selling that house and an agreement to do that is almost like a watershed moment for the whole divorce because it's like, great, we're just going to get rid of the house and clear a bunch of debts. And yeah, we got to go buy another house in this crazy market. But one other thing I would say though, too, is the person buying the other one out, mortgage lenders, uh, mortgage brokers, uh, finance professionals, normally excellent, but lots of people are getting financing for homes right now. And you have to question whether they can afford it. And to say, I really want to keep this house, but assume another hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars in financing to keep this house. And instead of my monthly mortgage payment looking like two thousand dollars, it looks like, you know, six thousand dollars. I don't know. I'm just throwing numbers around. Do you want that to just keep that house? And the last thing I would say is from a psychological perspective, selling that house. It will be important for some, if not many, in terms of just letting go of the divorce process, letting go of those memories, getting somewhere new, moving into somewhere new. I think that's sort of, it, 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 it's emotional in a sense. It's certainly as a not cathartic legal advice. process. Just Purge. as a thing. Let's yeah. get rid of this house. We had lots of great memories in it, maybe some bad ones. See ya. Someone else can enjoy this house. I now get my new place and I feel like a new person. So... Uh, that's not necessarily any legal information. That's just my thoughts. But um, think about that. Think about whether you want to put your divorce on hold for six months, figuring out appraisal values and going down that path if it's really worth it. And uh, if not, then look at selling and then land on a realtor that you both like and get it up for sale. You're heading it. You're heading into the summer, if not in the summer. So it's a good time to get the house on the market. Because there Let's- is nothing worse then when one person says, oh, I need the house, I'm going to buy him or her out. And people know financially it's going to be exceptionally tight. They're borrowing more money than they should because people refuse to rent or whatever they do to say, I must own, I must have this house. Be realistic in your budget and don't feel pushed around by your ex or I win this by keeping the house. Yeah, be realistic for you. And great comments, Darren, on the notion of selling. Because when I think about selling, as you and I have talked about, it's just the notion no one can afford this on their own. So let's create some equity and let's free up some money for both parties. But selling it as a cathartic watershed moment, great advice. Or you both sell. If one of the issues is I, that there's going to be some uh, resistance to moving to a new place because of the parenting, why don't you both agree to move somewhere cheaper? So you could say, ah, oh, we live in Toronto. We're going to sell the house in Toronto and move to Eyebrow, Saskatchewan. Oh, even better. Or, like a real move, not like to the suburbs. We're we're just, we're really moving. Uh, we're moving to Eyebrow, Saskatchewan. It's got, you know, I don't know how many people live in Eyebrow or, I'm sure it's a great place. I'm I'm sure I've been there. I don't know. But, and this no I don't disrespect to anybody. Them. Is this an actual place? I've never it heard is. of this. Wow. Eyebrow, Eyebrow, Saskatchewan. Um I'm sure the housing market there is more affordable than let's just just for the sake of assumption let's let, let's assume you live in Toronto. So you sell both you sell the house in Toronto, you both move to Eyebrow. I bet you the you know great school there. The kids will love it. Probably get into hockey and dance and all that fun stuff and it'll be great. Anyway, um Saskatchewan, land of living skies. 
Uh, let's go to our last question this week. It's a really short and sweet one. Um, and it's, we've had a couple of these and they're really fun because we don't, we don't respond to the emails because we, we don't, we just can't, we're too busy with our lives. So we basically just read these questions as they come in on the clear understanding that we, this is not a, uh, an advice email line. Like we don't give you advice by return email. We will answer the Mm. question on the podcast if we can, um, so we've had a few of these and it's just sort of, they, they'll send an email to us. Like I have some questions. C- can you let me know kind of how you want me to send them to you? And so, um, we didn't get a chance to respond to this. Hopefully they're listening. The question is had a few questions, but the case is super complicated. Ends it there. Wonderful. Let's answer that question. And it's a great opportunity to wind up this episode by just going through our steps. Rob case is super complicated. How should this listener handle their super complicated case? As we addressed with our first question tonight, we developed those divorced and done steps for everybody to have a roadmap to go from that moment where you say, "Uh uh-oh, to yourself, my relationship with my romantic partner is over, to end, to getting divorced and done. Step one, get separate and apart and make sure everyone is safe. That can mean leaving the house, Staying with friends, sleeping on a couch, renting a hotel, taking a hotel room, if financially that's viable for both of you, and making sure everyone is safe. That doesn't mean necessarily that your parenting arrangement is ideal right off the top, but you're both doing the most important thing that you can do by being separate and apart. You're not in the same space with each other. So hopefully you will both be able to achieve mental peace to work through your issues agreeably reaching resolution instead of saying let's amp up and let's litigate everything then you're going to deal with your parenting then you're going to deal with child support then you're going to divide your stuff spousal support if there is any and number six file that divorce package be done get divorced but always no matter where you are in the steps if things get heated if they get challenging if you just can't work with that other person at whatever point come back to step one being separate and apart, I can't work with you today because this is just too much. That doesn't mean we're ultimately not going to get a deal. And just because we can't get agreement on one piece along the way doesn't mean everything blows up. You come back to these steps, you come back to them in order. And when you're both in the right headspace, work through them systematically, and you will move through them efficiently and quickly without bankrupting yourself emotionally or financially. No skipping steps, simple, easy, move through them. Um, I shouldn't say simple and easy cause it's not, it's your life. It's tough. But, um, any, t- anyone thinking, oh my, my goodness, my, my family law case is so complicated. I can tell you right now it's not. And I can tell you because I've seen hundreds of them and they all share some similarities and every single one of them, if you have minor children and most do, then you're going through all of our six steps. And we recommend you go through them sequentially. You don't skip steps. You don't go, oh my God, let's address spousal support right off the top because I'm so worried about my money. No, the most important thing is living separate, making sure everyone's safe and thinking about your kids and where they're going to live between two households. That's the, those are the first things you're going to worry about on your, on your case. And that's going to take you some time. And then you move through, move through the rest of the steps and it's going to be amazing and you're going to love it. And, um, we know that our steps have helped lots of people because we get questions and feedback from people and they say it works and we know it works. So thank you for the question. 
And if you want to send us questions, lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com or speakpipe.com slash divorced and done. And our website that we might revamp eventually, divorcedanddone.com. I'm Rob Woodward, Darren Schmidt. Thank you for being with me. This has been Divorced and Done, and we look forward to being with you again.